0: Joining me today is Rebecca Burek, partner in our Boston office. Today we'll talk with Rebecca about her background and path to Bain, the impactful work she's doing in Bain's private equity practice, and how Bain is a clear leader in private equity consulting. Welcome Rebecca, it's great to have you.
1: Thanks for having me Keith.
0: So Rebecca, one of the things I like to do on the podcast is just give people a sense of who they're listening to and just talk a little bit about the journey. Can you talk a little bit about where you grew up and, and where and why you decided to go where you went for college? Sure.
1: I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then Rochester, New York, half and half. I was always good in math and sciences. And I I wasn't actually so thoughtful about what I wanted to do with my life, but I had a few of my teachers and guidance counselors at school saying, you're good at math and science, maybe you should think about being an engineer. And that sounded as good to me as anything else did. Um, And so I applied to a number of engineering schools and really I fell in love with Cornell. I went to Cornell to the engineering uh, school there, and it felt like a place where not only could I learn everything I wanted to learn, but just have a great experience at school. I liked the fact that it was a campus, that it wasn't so urban, and that I could have that real college experience that you often just just read about.
0: Engineering, as somebody who's also an engineer, can be a pretty broad field. What did you end up settling in and what did you decide to do after Cornell as you started your career?
1: That was a bit roundabout. So I started as a double major between electrical and chemical engineering and decided that there was no way that was going to work out well for me. Um, And so I switched a bit guardrail to guardrail and went, went into industrial engineering. And that was a great way to... In my view, apply what I liked about the the classes, but to more to real world experiences right away. And it led me to a rotational program with international paper where the idea was that I would go from facility to facility in an industrial engineering capacity and and help innovate and improve the efficiency in plants. Uh, I got to my first location in Framingham, Massachusetts, and found that I really liked the management team there. And so quickly went from that rotational program into more of the plant leadership roles, staying within within the Framingham plants.
0: What type of plant was it, and and how did you end up at this point? What a couple years out of school, maybe a couple months out of school in a plant management type position.
1: Yeah, so we made milk and juice cartons. One of those things where as you're uh, going through your life, you've, you've probably never wondered how milk and juice cartons are made. But uh, that's what I did. I made milk and juice cartons. And I did spend the first year uh, in that engineering job. But then our second shift supervisor left. And I'm not quite sure why the plant manager thought it would be a good idea to give a one-year out-of-undergrad uh, person, the role of second shift supervisor, uh, but he did, and so I took on second shift supervisor. I was the only woman in the plant after seven o'clock. I was the only member of the management team in the plant, and ultimately, I ended up running the second and third shift of this uh, milk and juice carton plant. I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. How did you?
0: How did you? get people comfortable with you sort of being in charge after hours. I imagine having been an engineer, spent a lot of time in factories on the plant floor, um, it can be a pretty tough environment for somebody who's kind of an outsider, if you will, or or at least a newbie uh, to the mix. Was that challenging for you?
1: I'd say the number one takeaway I had from that experience that I still think about all of the time is if you tell people what your expectations are, give them confidence that you believe they can meet those expectations and then provide them with the training and support to do so, that for the most part, people rise to the occasion. And so it was challenging. It was challenging because I'd never done it before. It was challenging because... The operations of a, of a factory present challenges every day. You know, we had, we fought fires once a week in our plant. We did, unfortunately, occasionally have an injury. Um, something, uh, went wrong with the equipment all of the time. Those are challenges you can work through, but, but was, was really important was telling the operators of the machinery that they could do it. And they did and we were a team and it was fun.
0: So despite all of that fun though, you ended up going back to business school. How did that come about? Cause it seems like you had sort of fit into your groove. You found your calling in leadership, ironically in management at some level, not necessarily being a frontline engineer. So how did, how did you get interested in business school? How did you think about that decision?
1: I knew I liked manufacturing and I enjoyed what I did, but I wanted to understand if there were other things I might like. Again, I went into engineering because a guidance counselor at school told me I might like it. And so I hadn't really explored other paths. And it felt like an MBA was a great way to learn about uh, different opportunities. And so it was really that uh, that drove me to to apply.
0: Did you have much exposure to MBAs in your job or in your life outside of work?
1: There was one. The plant manager at the time when I was on second shift had had gone gotten his MBA. He was actually also looking to switch and change to consulting roles. So not only did I learn about MBA programs uh, from him, I actually learned about consulting and Bain & Company in particular, which was the one place he really wanted to work. So I got to watch his process, watch him get to know people at Bain and that not only convinced me that business school was the right place for me, but I actually went to business school thinking I want to work at Bain & Company.
0: Right. And the more people out there that are like that, the easier my job gets. So I like hearing that.
1: Here's the problem though. I didn't get the internship offer. So I'm not sure how easy actually I made your, your job.
0: Well that's a that was under my predecessor so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna own that if I can avoid it. Um, but you did uh, we had talked about this earlier. you did the January program at HBS, which everybody's like what? And I was like yeah it was a it, the, the cohort started in January went through the summer and if I remember it was like a two or three week internship. That's right. Okay. That's right. And you ended up interning, but not here. You ended up in consulting though, right?
1: I did. I ended up at the two-week program of one of our competitors and and spent my summer in between or spent the two weeks, which is all I had of a summer in between my first and second year at one of our competitors.
0: Did it confirm your interest in consulting or did it raise more questions for you?
1: It confirmed the types of opportunities there were to really make a difference uh, with clients. It confirmed the types of questions consultants get to think about every day. It confirmed the relationship that you can build uh, with with clients. It confirmed that.
0: Right. You were patient enough to give us another chance, and it sounds like we got it right the second time. Was it an easy decision to come to Bain after that?
1: It, it really was. I What I loved about Bain was the culture and the connectivity. I still always kept thinking about the central staircase in our office in Boston and the energy that surrounded that staircase as people of varying what looked like tenures ran up and down the staircase either talking amongst each other or saying hi as they pass by somebody else. And it was that energy that I really wanted to be part of. And so I did go through uh, the process for a full-time offer, uh, did get it, and then played a little hard to get before uh, accepting even though I knew Bain is where I wanted to be.
0: So you, you come into Bain as a newly minted MBA consultant, MBA graduate uh, as a consultant. And do you know what you want to focus in? Do you know you want to do manufacturing? Did you want to focus in paper? Which is actually where I spent two years of my career before business school uh, in the pulp and paper industry. Was that was that your passion at that point?
1: No, for me, Bain was a way to continue the whole reason I went to business school anyway. So just like I wanted to explore other industries and types of questions in business school, that's what I thought consulting would enable me to do. And so I actually came in saying, I want to do anything but manufacturing. And I had a list of industries and a list of capabilities, and I actually checked them off as I got to experience them at Bain. Because I expected, like many people that join us, that I would fall in love with something, in an industry uh, or a function. And I would just go off and do that after a couple of years. Clearly, I've fallen in love with the opportunity to do so many things at Bain & Company that you know I'm now 23 years in.
0: So as you're trying all those different things, was there a common thread that ran between any of them that you would string together and say, you know, these are the types of opportunities that I like? Because I think a lot of people come in with an idea of, I really want to be an expert in this, or I really want to work in that area. And then they try something different. They go, wait, that was actually pretty fun. I wasn't expecting that. You know, as you look back over that journey, was there something that held it all together or an umbrella that you would say, this is, this is actually my sweet spot?
1: I did relatively early find a group of people that I really liked working with. And so while I was trying to get a varied set of experiences, I was also wanting to work with the people that I really enjoyed working with. And so it was a it was a combination of those two things. And then the reality that sometimes projects come up and you're the right person to do them. And so, it it, you know, I wasn't blind to the the need for that balance, but I really was uh, trying to work with people that I enjoyed working with and get a quite varied experience, at least through my consulting years.
0: Yeah. And as you got onto the leadership team, I know you took on a couple of other leadership roles uh, at Bain. Do you want to talk about why those were an important part of the journey?
1: Yes. As you can imagine, a engineer that uh, did process improvement and then <laughs> worked second shift, I can actually run a printing press and got a lot of satisfaction for when the truck left the factory at the end of the day. We, for sure, it was a good day. You can imagine that the need to operate still exists within me. And so part of why I was excited to take on leadership opportunities within Bain was to continue to get to work on really exciting projects with my clients, but also fulfill that need to feel like I was supporting the operations of a business. And so the internal roles that I have had have all been more operational, less intellectual property, less from a marketing perspective, more sort of uh, really hands in the business.
0: Yeah, the operating itch is one that I think people who have the itch fully understand what you're saying. I remember I worked for an airline a couple of years ago in airport operations and we were trying to get things out on time. And it was like you'd come up with all these strategies one day. And then by noon the next day, you'd look at the on-time performance and know whether or not it was working. Right. <laughs> and th- and when w- where it wasn't working would pretty much dictate what your afternoon was going to be spent on. And then you'd exactly. try it again the next day. And it was just really neat yeah. to see it all unfold. So you, you started to go here a little bit. I just want to talk about, um, before we get to what we're doing in private equity consulting, you do play a leadership role today in our private equity business. When did you start working in our private equity group? And when did you realize like, hey, this might actually be a a good fit for me?
1: Yeah, so sort of unbelievably at this point, I did everything I could to avoid our private equity practice when I first joined Bain. And that was a massive mistake. I didn't come into our private equity practice until I was a partner. In fact, I didn't do anything with our private equity practice until I was a partner. Um, I wouldn't recommend that uh, to anybody. You know, what I understand now is it is a great way to really learn the toolkits. Even more importantly than that, it's a wonderful way to hone this skill of thinking very clearly about what the three most important questions are and starting down that path. And even if you start down that path and you answer one of them and you realize that wasn't exactly the right question. It does lead you to your next hypothesis on what the right question might be. And so in our private equity business, and in particular when we're doing due diligence, that's a very critical approach that we take. And as a consultant or as an associate consultant, learning that early in your career, I believe, and I've been told, by, by others uh, at Bain, that having that skill set will help you regardless of the type of project that you're working on.
0: Mm-hmm. And so as a partner, you get your first taste of PEG. And I don't know how many years it's been since then, but now you're one of the leaders in PEG. So maybe we could spend a few minutes talking about some of that. What do you enjoy about what you're doing now in leading PEG? And what are, what are we building when we talk about private equity consulting?
1: So private equity consulting, just to be clear, is not actually investing. What we're doing in our private equity consulting business is working with clients who are the investors. And private equity is a bit of a shorthand. We're working with a a wide range of financial investors. So some of them, uh, large private equity firms uh, doing large buyouts, some of them, large private equity firms doing... Uh, venture-type uh, deals, some of them um, other types of financial investors uh, looking to provide uh, equity into a business at all stages of its growth. And so what we're helping our clients understand and sort out is, first, where are their opportunities? W- what kinds of markets or segments of markets might uh, present opportunity for good investments? they identify a target or we help them identify a target, is that a market we want to be in? Is that a business uh, that we want to invest behind, whether we're investing a minority into that business or fully buying out the business? And then once it's it's owned or once the investment is made, how do we actually create value in that business? Private equity consulting is not financial engineering. Our clients have to add real value to the businesses and they rely on us to help them figure out what is that value creation plan or how do I improve the effectiveness of the sales force or where can I take costs out or improve the supply chain so that through the investment, the company is improving and on exit, it's worth more than uh, than it was in the initial investment. And so we're working across that, that full value chain alongside of our clients.
0: Now you talked about the value chain, but you also talked earlier about your interest in sort of running through every industry that we had at Bain & Company. When you're in the private equity group, are you focusing that group's energy on one or two sectors or, or are you applying that chain, that value chain of work across all the sectors that are out there?
1: So our private equity practice works across all sectors. And what's fun, I think, and what presents such a great opportunity for our people that want to come at work within the, the private equity practice is you can take many different paths. You know, We are far and away the leader in the industry, and what that allows us to do is to have all sorts of opportunities. You can come into our private equity practice and work in every industry. You can be part of our private equity practice and spend a majority of your time in one industry. You can come into our private equity practice and work across the different maturity levels of businesses. You can come in and spend a lot of your time focused on late-stage buyouts or early-stage investing. And so because the size of our practice and because of... The market, the way it exists now and increasingly more and more businesses have private capital as part of their funding strategy, the number of opportunities to create your own path, whether that be more narrow or the whole full swath of the economy is actually quite significant. And I think we're the only ones that can offer that opportunity.
0: Yeah. You know, a, a lot of people will talk to me about the, the big three, the BBM firms as consulting. Is that the same dynamic in private equity? What what are some of the ways that you think about the scale of our business? I don't think people necessarily appreciate sort of how strong our leadership position is in that space.
1: There's no question we're the leader. We invented private equity consulting um, and we remain the absolute far and away leader in in private equity consulting. We have dedicated people working for our private equity clients from our ACs all the way through to our most senior partners, not just in our general consulting, but in all of our specialist roles as well. We have people at all levels in every office uh, working dedicated to our private equity funds. It is a real scale business for us and something that Really, much of our firm is, is a part of one way or another.
0: Right. And I remember not having worked in the private equity group. My expertise when I was doing healthcare work and some of the things I'm doing now in talent and talent tech has gotten me involved in the private equity work, also in some of our DEI work um, as an expert. So it's interesting because the private equity group inside Bain also leverages the other expertise for people who are not in the private equity group. And so you end up getting involved, as you said, one way or another, either directly or indirectly through expertise that you're building. One of the things that I also think is really interesting about our private equity group is the scale that we have allows us to make some investments that frankly, other firms just can't match in terms of acquisitions and tools. Do you want to talk anything about some of the acquisitions that we've made and some of the capabilities that are coming to the table?
1: Yeah. Well, so this is one of my favorite topics. Thank you for asking. We are innovating and it's great. It's great. So we're innovating in so many, in so many ways, right? Because we have the scale that we do and because we uh, partner with uh, so many of the firms making uh, the investments in the market, we get the opportunity to uh, both understand what's what's coming next. What are the, the trends in the space that we should be investing behind to continue to bring the best of being to our clients? And so whether that means new data tools or new ways to, Uh, leverage those data sets to get to insights or new ways to think about what might drive the success of the business, we are able to scan so much of the market and build that in to how we bring the best of Bain uh, to our clients. Um, And so that's in building proprietary tools, proprietary data sets, proprietary approaches. That's one piece. The other is we think a lot about how to support um, our clients and our industry, not just in the direct work that we do, but in being uh, thought partners for them on the future of of the uh, private equity industry or the future of growth equity investing. And so you may have seen in announcements a, Partnership that we have uh, with Cypress for a, a product that we have called Deal Edge, and that gives us the ability to look at um, investments of the past and understand industry and sector by sector what dry, what has driven successful investing in different parts of our industry historically, and what that tells us then about likely future success of an individual opportunity or a, that, that sector uh, that, that we might be wondering about. Um, we've recently acquired a business called Sutton Place Strategies, which is another just leader in the private equity data business. And it gives us the opportunity to look forward to help our clients think about where they may look for future investments. Those are things because we have that data set, that there aren't others in the industry that can talk to our clients, not only about a specific opportunity, but about their strategies, about where they may look to the future, and how uh, they can think about um, driving their own businesses.
0: It was interesting. I had um, dinner with one of our interns a couple weeks ago, and the intern was staffed on fund strategy one of our private equity clients and he said, you know, I'm working in the private equity ring fence and there was another person at the table who was in private equity, but they were working on a diligence. And this intern was talking about fund strategy. And, and honestly, he said, before I came here, I didn't even know this was a thing.
1: Right. So uh, private equity funds are our businesses themselves, and they also need strategy, just like any of our retail or consumer or industrial clients might. And that is a growing part of how we're supporting our our private equity clients and how we're teaming with them to get results. And, yeah. and it's these kinds of views on the industry that uh, really enable us to be great partners for that kind of work.
0: Yeah, um, we have uh, Anita and Andrew uh, here from Chicago where I'm sitting on the podcast and they were talking about how people get up to speed and and sort of get comfortable when they they first start off in the private equity group. And one of the things you said there was about building the proprietary data sets. And as somebody who was an AC back in the day where a huge part of my job and time wasn't spent generating insights, it was just spent like getting the data. Like I just couldn't find it, you know, Google wasn't a thing, right? I had to actually go get the data. And it sounds like we're building the data sets that allow people to spend more of their time on insights and less of the time, you know, necessarily building data sets time and time again. We have sort of a repeatable model based on our scale. How how do you see that set of tools and that set of skills evolving over time? Are we continuing to invest in those areas to, to keep our edge?
1: Absolutely. And you mentioned the building of the data sets, but, but there's a whole strategy here. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you think about the kind of information you wished you had? And then what's the best way to go get that? Sometimes we actually want to, to own it inside Bane and, and maybe we, we acquire or maybe we build it ourselves. Sometimes we want to partner with somebody that can help us get that data faster. The real key is how do you knit it all together? And so, It is not just which data sets can we go by or can we make ourselves, but it's what questions are we trying to answer? What's the best source to try to answer those? And then how do we leverage not just the innovation that we're driving within the private equity practice, but the innovation all around Bain to bring that together in a coordinated way, both to help our teams be efficient so that we're not just looking for individual pieces of information, but we're instead using our team and all of our collective experience to bring together different pieces of information, leveraging our advanced analytics team as an example to sort through all that information and then combine it with expertise and other things we're doing on the case team to answer the questions for our clients in a holistic way that's what we're doing and it relies that our scale allows us to not just gather the data but really understand what it means and relate it back to other businesses that we've seen in the past and other deals that we've seen be successful in the past
0: it's really awesome and Rebecca as we wrap up here there's a bunch of people listening who are want to learn more about what we're doing in private equity what words of advice would you give people who listen to this and and i would say there's a group that probably heard about it and is excited to hear from you what we're working on there's a group who might have been scared uh, and there's a group who might be a little bit indifferent or agnostic and this might pique their interest what advice would you give them at this stage of the journey as they think about a career at bain
1: well first talk to talk to more people so talk to people that you know that work at Bain. If you're on campus, talk to people on campus uh, that have worked at Bain. You know, gather gather the information. I think I think that's just generally a good thing to do. For private equity specifically, don't think like I did <laughs> that I don't want to be an investor, so I don't want to work in our private equity practice. I was just being silly. That is such the wrong a uh, way to be thinking that what we're doing is real a a full version of of all that Bain has to offer targeted at a particular type of clients and very often at least in our diligence part of our business on a fast timeline but that's what helps you think so critically and be really gain that skill of understanding what are the most important things. And so that, that's the second thing is really be open. If you're not convinced yet, be open to the learning that you can get. We didn't even talk about the fact that you get to see parts of industries in our private equity practice that you would you would typically not get to see because of the full size range of companies that, that we have exposure to. And so even if you're not interested in investing or you're not, you're not sure exactly what industry you want to be a part of, if you come in and spend time in our private equity practice, you'll get exposure to a lot. And some of it, you'll decide that that's really where you want to focus potentially and others, it'll make great cocktail party conversation. Because we definitely also see some pretty random businesses and industries.
0: That's awesome. It's a tremendous learning opportunity. And and like, like you said, I've seen from the outside and I've done some corporate diligences and talked with a lot of folks about it. Uh, we do a lot of interesting work. The breadth of work is way bigger than I think anybody anticipated, and it's just been tremendous opportunity to watch the business grow and see the people uh, that I've been close to over the years continue to grow with what we're doing in private equity consulting. So, Rebecca, I want to thank you for your time today and for sharing with us. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to share some insights with us and look forward to working with you as we grow the business together.
1: Happy to be part of it. Thanks for inviting me, and I look forward to working with you as well, Keith.
0: Thanks everyone for tuning in to Beyond the Bio. If you'd like to share a review or give us input on what you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd really like to hear from you. Please email our inbox at beyondthebio at bain.com. We'll see you soon with some new episodes and thanks for listening.